The Israelites are on the verge of achieving their greatest ambition, but also of facing their fiercest battles. Moses had been a mighty man of God, an inspirational leader, but now he was dead. And where did that leave the Israelites? We've spoken of change being something which can cause us to be fearful. This was the biggest change that any of these people had known. The man that they had looked to, the man that they had been inspired by, was dead. What would happen to them now? It can be daunting to follow on from a great leader. Moses was one of the outstanding figures in Israel's history. Yet someone had to pick up the baton of leadership after his death. Last week, we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 31 and some of the verses there are tied in with this morning. Deuteronomy 31 verses 1 to 3, Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old. I'm no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord, your God himself, will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you. And you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you as the Lord said. And then in verse 7, Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So Joshua was Moses' chosen successor. Yet Joshua must have been very aware of his limitations. Doubts about his leadership may have remained. Could he step into Moses' shoes? Was he really the man to lead the children of Israel into the promised land? Joshua wasn't called upon to be Moses' Mark II. He was to be his own man. His own gifting from God. He was to fulfill God's purposes in a new chapter in God's dealings with Israel. Just to show how I keep up with current media, I'll give you a quote from an American actress called Judy Garland. (laughs) She said, Always be a first-rate version of yourself, not a second-rate version of someone else. 
Joshua wasn't to be a second-rate version of Moses. He was to be his own man by the power and strength and presence of his God. It's a human characteristic, perhaps, to look back nostalgically at the good old days, at some of the, the great leaders of the past. We can find ourselves believing that we don't have leaders of that same caliber today. Indeed, again and again, the Bible points to heroes of faith. But God doesn't call us to live with a sense of inadequacy, of not being up to it, of not being as good as those who went before. God calls us to trust Him for today and to look to Him for tomorrow. Not to live in the past, but to expect God's grace for each one of us to be new every morning. Don't attempt to be a second-rate version of someone else, but be a first-rate version by the strength and power and presence of God of all that He has for you. So Moses' death brings to an end Joshua's training. Now the responsibility of leadership fell squarely upon his shoulders. Without his leader, companion, and teacher beside him, Joshua was on his own. But he wasn't on his own because God was with him. Perhaps you felt the loss of someone you've loved deeply, someone that you've found inspirational, someone that's been a tremendous encouragement to you, an example that you've wished you could follow or live up to. Perhaps you can think of friends or spiritual guides who've walked alongside you in some of your life struggles and ministry. For Joshua, the training period is over. And the real work of leading the Israelites into the promised land now begins. God's assurance, though, is going to be vital. Vital for any new leader taking on new responsibilities. The training he's received as Moses' right-hand man, it's equipped him with practical skills in leadership, in warfare, in mediating disputes, and in organizing 600,000 men and their families who'd left Egypt and been wandering in the desert for 40 years. I wonder how you feel when given a task which is beyond your previous experience. It's beyond what you think of as your capabilities. Another quote is that the greatness of a man or woman is determined by the greatness of the cause he lives for and the price he's willing to pay to achieve it. Joshua's cause was to serve the Lord of hosts. Joshua's cause was to 
be used by the Lord of hosts in leading the children of Israel into the promised land. For 40 years they'd lived as nomads, in tents, wandering in the Sinai. And now they were preparing for an assault on the fortresses, the armed cities of a region which was vastly different from the Canaan that they had left 400 years or so earlier in the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There was no comparison. It was as though we were living in 1600 in Britain and then were coming back in 2014. The changes were absolutely beyond anything they could imagine. The challenges that Joshua faced were immense. But he trusted that with God's help, all things are possible. I can't help but think that Joshua really didn't quite feel up to the task. His natural response was to feel afraid. Afraid of what lay ahead. Three times in this chapter alone, Joshua's God encourages him to face his fears with the words, be strong and courageous. Verses 6 and 7 and 9. Indeed, in verse 7, God says, be strong and very courageous. And then in those verses at the end of chapter 1, verses 16 to 18, in verse 18, the people join in and say, Whatever you've commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you, just as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. That's the people saying to Joshua, be strong and courageous. We want you for our leader, but we want you to be strong. We want you to be courageous. There's no need really to encourage a confident man. It's one who senses his own limitations. Someone that really doesn't feel quite up to the task. Someone who needs to be spurred on. You can do it. We believe in you. We want you to lead us. I don't know what challenges you might be facing. But I'm sure that there are times when each of us need to hear the words, Be strong. Take heart. With God's help, you can do it. Look at how the Lord addresses Joshua's feelings of inadequacy. Firstly, he says that they will possess the land he's leading them into, and nothing will stand in their way. He says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. And secondly, the promise of his presence with Joshua. I will never leave you or forsake you. Like Joshua, we can 
always be assured of God's presence and God's provision for our deepest needs. Of course, Joshua also has his part to play. As God is faithful, he must be faithful too, both in strength and courage and unswerving devotion to God's word, his revelation in the law. Joshua and the Israelites were facing the fiercest, most dangerous challenge in their lives. They were about to enter the promised land. Everything their hopes had been set upon, but the land was already occupied. And it was occupied by a fearsome collection of warrior peoples. Indeed, you might remember the report of the spies that had been sent out to spy on the land by Moses that 40 years earlier. And the report that had come back had been one that had meant that the children of Israel hadn't entered the promised land when they might have done. They said, the land eats its inhabitants. We seemed like grasshoppers by comparison with the fearsome warrior peoples of that land. We might feel alarmed by, by different things. We might feel alarmed by threats of Islamic extremism. We might feel alarmed by the threats of terrorist attacks. We might feel alarmed by global flu epidemics or predictions of climate change and implications for us and our children and our grandchildren. But more probably, probably your, your deepest fears are, are perhaps more personal, more down-to-earth. You wonder whether that nagging pain might indicate illness or even cancer. You wonder whether the relationship that you have with your husband or wife or son or daughter is in difficulties. You might wonder about financial job insecurity and be fearful on that front. Or you might be fearful about your long-term care needs. Will I be able to cope? How long can I live independently? Where is God? Where is God when we have fears that we can hardly express? Where's God when we're facing our fears and limitations? Where's God when we're standing on the threshold of confronting seemingly impossible choices? Israelites were moving into the promised land. It was a land, as we've said already, inhabited by warlike peoples fear of whom had brought the Israelites once to turn around and to fail to move forward in God's purposes for them. We'll come back to Joshua in a few minutes to learn more about how we might face our fears and limitations as we too engage in the battle of faith. Joshua might have been tempted to give up, to despair, 
lose hope when he thought of the future. But the Lord wasn't calling Joshua without enabling and equipping him for what was ahead. And the same will be true for us. There were three good reasons for Joshua to be strong. And I suggest that these reasons are ones that we can take encouragement for ourselves. The first reason was God's promise. In verses 3 to 6, God promised a sure victory. Second reason was God's word. Verses 7 and 8, Joshua is pointed to a safe guide. And thirdly, in verse 9, God's presence, a sustaining power. So we've got God's promise, God's word, and God's presence. The real battle of faith is joined here. It's not joined across the Jordan with the warlike peoples of Canaan, but it's in our relationship, our dependence upon God. It's not what we are, but what God is. It's not what we feel, but what God has declared. So firstly, let's look briefly at God's promises to Joshua in verses 3 to 6. In verse 3, God says, I will give you every place where you set your foot. In verse 4, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the Euphrates to the Mediterranean Sea. And in verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. I will never leave you or forsake you. What a promise that is. I will never leave you or forsake you. It's a promise that God still makes to each of his children today. I will never leave you or forsake you. So many folk feel that they're on their own facing battles against loneliness, battles against illness, against old age, against singleness. You can put your own fears in the blank. But in your moments of loneliness or anxiety, Take heart. God's word for you is, I will never leave you or forsake you. Then God makes another promise to Joshua. He says, you will lead this people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. We're not called to lead God's people into battle with human enemies but we have a deep need to hold fast to God's promises. The promise of his presence, of his purpose for your life, his power to save and uphold you. And then we have God's word in verses 7 and 8. Joshua was encouraged to take God's word as his guide. 
Joshua verse 1 verse 7, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. If we want to claim God's promises, we have to live by His Word. We have to obey His commands. The source of strength for Christian living is walking in God's will for, your, for our lives. And to do this, we need to know God's Word, to apply it day by day. As God said to Joshua, meditate on it day and night. How many mistakes have we made? How much pain have we experienced? Because we've made decisions in our lives without giving full awareness to what God's Word says, to the pointers that God's instruction manual lays down for us. But what are we to make of verse 8? Keep this law and then you will be prosperous and successful. You've heard of a prosperity gospel? Surely this is promising a prosperity gospel. Keep this law, then you will be prosperous and successful. Because it was a promise to the children of Israel. But does it say to us, live as a Christian and you will have health, wealth and happiness? God doesn't promise that. Not in that sense. The Bible is full of God-fearing men and women whose lives put this in a different light. Think of Paul, all he experienced. Think of the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 and all the suffering and issues that they had to confront. Consider Christ himself crucified for our sins. Our tendency is to hear this promise in self centered terms. But we need to trust God for more than that. God isn't in the business of promoting our individual well-being or making our life easy. He's in the business of transforming us into His image. I'll repeat that. God isn't in the business of promoting individual prosperity. He's in the business of transforming us into his image. He's in the business of helping us to serve him, to be available to him, to minister through us to meet the deepest needs of others who are hurt, others who are in pain, others who need deliverance from sin, others who need their bodies healed and their minds restored. He's in the business of transforming us into his image that we can be used for his glory. God is in the business of helping us lead people to a personal vital relationship with him. This is real success. This is true prosperity. 
then, as Christ said, then you will have riches in heaven. And then the third element is God's presence that we see in verse 9. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God's presence for Joshua was to be a sustaining power. Banishing fear. Banishing self-reliance. Going before Joshua and the Israelites, giving victory, and in doing so, witnessing to the power of the Lord God over all other dominions. It's the same for us. The promise that the Lord our God will be with us wherever we go. Christ has triumphed over every power and authority in this world and in the spiritual realms, even over death. Joshua had the promises of God's presence going with him for as long as he lived. And we've got the even more all-encompassing promise of Jesus that John referred to earlier in Matthew chapter 28. Surely I am with you always, even to the very end of of the age. It's not time limited. It's not space limited. Surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. It's a promise that can give us the confidence we need to face our fears, our limitations, whatever they might be, just as for Joshua. Let's pray. Be bold and courageous. Lord, we want to know more of your presence filling our lives, filling our hearts and spirits, our bodies and minds with a confidence that doesn't rest upon our own abilities, our own strength, but upon your all-encompassing love and power and grace which you've promised to pour out into our lives. We thank you for Joshua's example. We thank you for the encouragement that he needed to be bold and courageous that we can recognize in our own lives, that need for affirmation. We pray that we might know that affirmation from you today. Surely, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Thank you, Lord. Amen.